Hey, Marit, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Um, good yeah. afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this week's six sessions. The first from inside the Six and Flow office. Normally, you get me with a beautiful pink neon hue behind me, but today we're actually back in the office, which is fun. Uh, last week's chat went off without a technical hitch, so I'm hoping for a repeat this week. Today's episode is going to be super interesting because we're going to talk about two things, how we create traffic and then what we do with it once we've got it. My guest today is somebody who gets digital. I love that. As I was cringing at myself as soon as I wrote get digital, but anyway, we'll cover that bit. Um, someone keen to experiment, adapt, and combine channels together to drive growth, and somebody who understands what it means to grow a business from inside and the outside. She's a self-professed SEO geek, done the hard yards both client side and agency side, and has good banter on Twitter. I enjoy the conversations that we come on have over Twitter. <laughs> I enjoy them immensely. <laughs> Today's chat will give you insight into how you should be approaching search-driven uh, growth, how it links with your other channels, and where you should be looking next from someone who's absolutely smashing it in this game. These chats are designed to be short and sweet, but hopefully full of insight. And as a reminder, it's definitely unfiltered, which is the bit that makes it fun <laughs> for me. I'm living in hope that at some point somebody will say something incredibly embarrassing and risk ending a career, but hopefully not today for Marit. Um, all the way from Devon, I'm very excited to welcome Marit Rutlingsberger. I really hope I got that right. I've tried and tried and tried to practice it. Founder of Mobe Digital. Marit, welcome. That's it. Thank you so much for having me and well done. You've done the hard bit. You said the name. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you can just sit back and relax now. <laughs> yeah, now, now I just get to ask questions and try and make life difficult for you. So that's fine. We'll, we'll go there. Um, so first up, I've got to ask, you did an economic, economics degree, but you majored in marketing. Did you set out to be a marketer? Um, so I did. The, the degree that I did was a little bit... Um, it's a little bit deceptive by name. So uh, yeah, I've got a, a bachelor degree in economic, economics technically, but the, the course name was uh, uh, Media and Entertainment Marketing, which if anyone from the Netherlands is watching, they will be laughing right now because it is known as a, as a marketing course and as a, <laughs> like the one that people go on for jolly. <laughs> Yeah, so my my undergraduate degree had uh, the title uh, multimedia technology and design, which mm -hmm. in practice meant we did uh, basically everything across the digital spectrum across the four years we were there. But having multimedia in the title makes it sound like you didn't actually do any work. Um, yeah. but, but that's that's. But did you did you go to university knowing that you wanted to come out and be a marketer? Um. By the time I went to that course, yes. So uh, when I was younger, I always thought, oh, I've always worked in hospitality. I love hanging out with people and he hearing their stories. And so I, for a long time, thought I was going to be like the GM of a hotel or a hotel chain, something to do with hospitality. Um, and then I started uh, on a, a university course in the Netherlands, which focuses on that. Um, turns out that was not for me. Uh, so I stopped that really quickly, <laughs> um, but did realize that I do, it's all, when I think about it now, a lot of the things that I enjoy, even from when I was really little, are all about telling a story and about engaging people and talking conversations. And yeah, as a result, marketing fits me very well. 
you are i think only the second person and so the 30 40 odd interviews i've done on the six sessions now i think you are only the second person who set out to do marketing everybody else fell into it by accident or or by a roundabout fashion maybe not necessarily accident but um, <laughs> so that and that's why i was super interested in it um so how was 2021 for you Oh, well, it was pretty interesting, wasn't it? Um, definitely had its uh, ups and downs from a, from a, I guess, from a work point of view, it's been busy, but in very much in waves. So I've had like very busy three, four months and then it all quieted down and then suddenly lots of people coming back again or suddenly conversations starting and having another wave of busyness. And then in between all of that um had a little bit of a you know little cross country house move going on so definitely <laughs> just kept just to myself mix it up busy. a bit yeah yeah <laughs> we'll we'll come back to that that um kind of pizza troughs of work bit in a minute um but that's mm. probably probably good to explain what is your main business what does mo digital do so i focus on kind of the broader sense of digital comms so the the people that i work with best are who I have defined, maybe I should give them like a, a buyer persona name, but I've defined them as sort of single marketing managers. So they are often people with either very small team or just on their own managing all of marketing across the oh, entire so you don't, company. You don't mean or... marketing managers looking to date? So you, you mean I mean, that, if they that, are okay. looking to date <laughs> and I happen to know someone that might be interesting for them, I'm happy to make an introduction. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so people who manage all of the marketing on their own, who are looking for someone who maybe sends check with, who uh, who get that sort of consultancy from, particularly for a digital strat strategy, um, and then from a more of a doing point of view, I tend to focus on email marketing and automation, particularly in sort of niche, and I mean niche B2B. Um, How niche? And then beyond, give us an example. Give us an example. Okay, so I work with a company who do the, you know, when you have a train ticket, you know, the orange train tickets. Yep. The people who make the strips on the back of the train tickets. That is niche. That is niche, isn't it? <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, so I do that. And then uh, along with that, I uh, tend to make technical SEO recommendations and then work on content together with the client. So we, what we tend to do is we work on uh, a sort of broader digital strategy together. And then I pick up the things that I am strongest at, maybe do some introductions to people who are stronger in other channels and so on. Nice. Okay. So coming back to what you said before about the kind of the four months of kind of like busyness and then uh, a bit of a lull do you work mm. in project or retain so when you engage with the client how how do you normally engage with them it's a little bit of both but by far the majority is retained uh, yeah. so it is a case of regularly reviewing what has worked well where are we maybe behind or what are other things that we can improve and that is a that has been something that's quite new for me personally yeah. to yeah to as you are retained okay what else can we do how can we go deeper or further yeah okay we first met at drift's hypergrowth in london and that was quite a long time ago um before mm. the world turned into a giant dumpster fire um <laughs> 
you were agency side then. What mm -hmm. what made you decide that you were going to go and kind of cut your own path? Okay. First of all, I have to do a little sidestep there because we were introduced by a mutual friend, Chris. Yep, Chris. And I just remember because like, I had He's already. Really old, I was already. He is so old, especially extra old today. Extra <laughs> Happy old birthday, today, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had been a fan of Six and Flow, and I knew you as a as you know an industry thought leader beforehand. So I was like, "Oh my days! I am meeting Richard Wood." <laughs> I was in in awe, and then we met, and you were like, oh, and, "And then you were disappointed." <laughs> no, you were just a really a hu you were just a human in in the best possible way. You were a real person, and you were genuinely interested in being introduced to little old me uh, you know and since that we've yeah we've had regular catch-ups we've we've got our banter on twitter and we just had a really good natter so that was that was really excellent um glad to hear it but but yeah i was agency side at the at the time i had it was for me it was always a plan to go um to go away and go my own way and be self-employed um, I think what kicked it, I'm not really sure what kicked it off. It just felt like, it felt like the right time. Um, it felt like I had enough experience to know what I can offer, what I'm strong in. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been a, uh, a learning curve and it still is a learning curve. <laughs> it's a wild ride, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so, uh, SEO is often seen as a dark art and often gets a bad rap. Is it still an important channel? Ooh, such a big question. It is. Uh, it is. <laughs> big one for a Friday afternoon. Yeah. Um, so I I tend to look at SEO. If we if we take different marketing channels, right? I for me to explain it in a way that's maybe really basic, so I'm sorry if it is, but what really helps me is to think of houses, which is relevant for me. I moved house last year. Uh, and this really helped me. So we have all the different options available to us. We have PPC and paid social and so on. And I compare that to like online house renting, right? You can be there, you're at the top, you're there quick. It's easy to move, but it's also easy to disappear. Whereas SEO is more like house buying or house building. So it takes time, it's a bit slower, it takes a longer time to see the results. But once they are there, the profit is there in the long run. I agree with the analogy. What about <laughs> when Google decides to entirely bulldoze your street and your house doesn't exist anymore? So you do you do own like you have the groundwork, you have the longevity. Mm -hmm. It's it's mm -hmm. it's way more long term kind of uh, stable once you have the foundations in place than like PPC. Yes. PPC, you stop paying, you stop getting right. Yes. But what happens when a search partner we won't just hone in on google but they'd say google mm. google mm -hmm. decides that actually they want the internet to be positioned differently and therefore you no longer sure. rank so how how do you balance that out because you are kind of renting in that scenario you are you are renting I lease suppose, holding yeah. that's what you're doing it's lease holding that is it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice you are right so agree with that there is some things that you can do. So I'm going to keep going with this house analogy now, mm -hmm. right? So what you can do is make sure that your foundation is right. 
which is technical SEO. It gives you the best possible opportunity to be found online by Google or other search engines. And then there is on-page SEO and content, which is like the house. It's like the living room. It's the hub of the house. And even if a search engine decides maybe not to rank you as highly anymore, this is the stuff that we can still use. So content on the website, we can also use on social media. We can also use it in email marketing. And um, and you can you, you can make that content work a lot harder. And I think that will probably be like very much a guiding that for me is very much a guiding principle. Um, then you have, uh, besides that, you have your, you ha so you have your foundation in your house, then you might wanna make sure that your garden and the outside looks nice by doing brand building. So this would be your social media, this would be Google My Business, it would be doing podcasts, it would be doing interviews and so on. And then beyond that, you have um, your post, like your mailbox. Uh, and that's things like backlinks and ensuring that search engines understand that you are a trustworthy source and that you do have the authority to talk about these things in your field. So, so as long as as long as you're building building the house correctly, there's no reason that your house should be taken off the map. So, and you're also, if, if without putting words in your mouth, you're also building mm -hmm. in a way that you're opening the door to be able to use, utilize what you've built in different channels, in different ways. So you're kind of, yeah. you're doing the building work, but you're hedging your bets because you can actually use that stuff outside of the single source, a la Google. Yes, exactly. So, you know, content is the most, the most easy example. You can use the content that you have uh, with, with some of the brand building, with some of the off-page SEO in your social media, you can you can make that work really hard for you, for your business. Okay, we had Helen Dibble on last week mm. um, talking about content-led growth, and we were debating uh, like if you're a new business, what's more important, quality or quantity, when starting out on your SEO journey? So, I listened to that episode and she talks so fast and has so many like <laughs> i was like i need to make notes how do i keep it all <laughs> um but it's a good thing that you publish all your podcasts so you can listen back um but i really i think she has an awesome approach of thinking about content-led strategy and growth i personally prefer focusing on quality content and kind of pulling back to what we just said, like make that work really hard. So if you are starting with a new business, you know, uh, how can you make that content work as hard as possible using different channels? So if you have one really high quality piece of content, you could break it into smaller blogs and create a topic cluster that will help with internal linking, which will help your technical foundation. You can share it through social media you can even use it to offer offer an accompanying download that you can use in your paid campaigns so now you have from one piece you suddenly have all these other things that you can offer and it means that you have a consistent message across all your channels another question i asked her is content king oh so is content king when I feel like I'm repeating myself, but is content king if you only use it for SEO purposes or only use it for gated content or only use it for social media, then probably no. 
if you use it to create a consistent brand story across all your channels and use it in a way that you can offer your audience, your people, your tribe, whatever you want to call it, if you can offer them uh, information or articles that are useful for them at the right time, then yeah, absolutely. Nice. What's your... <laughs> it... Go on. I, 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 I totally agree. Like I said, so one of the things that uh, Helen and I were saying, so Helen's initial response to that was content is only king if distribution is queen. So like if, if people can't see it, then it's worthless. There's no point in yeah. having it. Um, one of the things I was saying is that I think there is now a blurring between uh, the lines between what is distribution and what is content. Like, is is Twitter content or distribution now? Like, where does that sit? Is is yeah. is this content or distribution because it's feeding out over LinkedIn and like I'm engaging with people? What mm -hmm. what is the what is the boundaries between that? And I think utilizing content across multiple channels. Then I I, I love the way you put that. Like utilize if as long as that channel the content is being used on multiple channels and in multiple ways and it's getting in right yeah. up in front of the right people then absolutely content is powerful i don't think it's always king but i think mm -hmm. it is powerful and i think often without content the house falls down coming back to your original analogy yeah absolutely yeah you don't have a living room to sit in for sure <laughs> you know so, yeah so if if it oh so like I'm I'm a business forget forget that we're a digital business and kind of like we do this stuff but if I was a a non digital business and I came to you and I said mm -hmm. like I need you to do my marketing I want you to look mm -hmm. at my SEO what's your approach yeah. to the SEO where where's your focus where do you start so whenever I take on a new client which focuses on SEO I tend to look at the technical side first because mm -hmm. it's such an easily overlooked area and there's things that could be small and easy to change that actually make a massive impact. So I tend to use, um, uh, I don't know if I can name names, but <laughs> I tend to- You can do whatever I, you want. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, I tend to use, um, like I tend to use Sidebulb and SEMrush to get like a really good quick overview um, before I then dive into the website and actually go into the pages myself and into the code. This is when I get my proper nerd, like I properly geek out and and essentially what you want to find is like, what is wrong? <laughs> so that you can tell them and, you know, some really quick, quick tips, I guess. Things to look at are things like um, sitemap, robots text, and particularly using like a, a, a tool like Sidebulb, uh, internal links and orphan pages. Um, those three, if if you can optimize those, that will already see a, for SEO relatively quick impact. So, so when so when you start working with a customer, you or client, mm. you will start working with them. So you'll look at what they've got in place. You'll start looking at the technical. Look for quick wins and things that you can approach. Because often, mm -hmm. I mean, like whenever I like I don't do a lot of it anymore, but typically when mm -hmm. I look at a site, you look for the easy things like alt tags on images, headers, and yep. that kind of stuff. So you you take a technical approach, and obviously it goes deeper than that because we look at the architecture, like page depth, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. But so you look at the technical. Then what do you do mm -hmm. after that? So technical, you've gone okay. If you tweak this bit, you touch that bit up, you you kind mm -hmm. of move this around. We put some tags in, whatever. Yeah. Then what do you do? Like what what do comes you... next after that? What comes next after that? Do you mean from a so once we've fixed f 
fix the SEO, like fix yep. the glaring, the glaring uh, problems. So the, te the technical basis is yeah. okay now. It's now, okay where now. do we go? How do we grow now? Okay, cool. So first, we're going to have a look at what is already there. So we've already talked about this. We want to get this content that is already there um, and make that work really hard. So a good example is I um, do training sessions with um, a Princess Trust uh, program called WIC Digital, which is like a program specifically for young people learning about digital marketing. They learn about all sites and I focus on SEO and email. And we talk about, um, and sorry, I should say in that program, the young people are put into teams and at the end of the program, they will offer a real recommendations document to a real small business. So it will actually impact that business. Um, and because they are often very new, very young businesses, they normally don't have a lot of content. They'll have social media profiles, but they probably don't have a blog, for example. And so the question I ask them is what content is already there? And often I get back, oh no, they don't, they don't have anything. They don't have anything. Um, and I say, okay, well, what about the about page? What about the, the company story? What about, um, you know, what do they post about on social media? Brands are usually already telling a story without realizing. And it is important that we can build from there. Um, beyond that, I mean, I am still very much a fan of topic clusters or whatever you want to call them, <laughs> many names available. Um, but that is a little bit, that is, again, that user experience. It is answering people's question before they maybe know there is a real problem. Uh, and the combination of having that useful content combined with internal linking, can't believe I just did the David Brent. <laughs> but that combination makes it just a really... Uh, strong thing task that you can take on and implement i am actually connected on weirdly uh connected with a david brent impersonator on linkedin today and i saw that he was filming in an office somewhere and i was like mm, maybe we could get that in. but anyway that's in a definite yeah, side note i think but i now, mean now definitely get it, him in. <laughs> <laughs> so in in 2022 where should yeah. all my seo focus go what should i be doing so that's that's assume my technical stuff is where it should be and i can assure you it's yeah. not but let's assume that it is <laughs> where would you say i should focus all of my seo effort okay so first thing to get out of the way is you should go multi-channel uh, mm -hmm. i i'm just i really i know that we are talking about seo we're talking about sem but yep. no you know no man is an island no digital channel does everything by themselves so definitely consider how you may be able to go multi-channel but from an seo point of view uh, again yeah i really like well executed topic clusters so for this episode uh, uh, or for this session i was like okay what is a great example of a topic like a, a company that implements it well and um there's a company called rover and essentially they bring together pet parents and pet sitters uh, or yep. people who don't have pets but would occasionally maybe like them. Um, and so they actually write for quite different audiences. So they write for pet parents, 
Um, and that is anything from like, they'll write about why does my dog follow me into the bathroom all the way to the cost of owning a dog in the UK. But then they also write for potential pet sitters and even uh, like professional pet service providers, like groomers and actual boarding places. So they have these three really quite distinct different audiences uh, that they have extensive knowledge hubs for. It's really cool. Nice. I like I like that depth of content. Like when we're talking about so, and this is part of what Helen and I were talking about last week as well is having that depth of content that can often make you stand out more. And having, I mean, it sounds like they're almost kind of verging on that community piece as well, where you're starting mm -hmm. to actually build a following and people who are like looking to them to kind of um, for that knowledge content. Yeah. When when I first started in digital, which was quite yeah. quite a while ago. Um, and kind of playing playing around with SEO, it was yeah. all about keyword density and how many links pointed at a at a particular page with the kind of the the keywords, like um, well the keywords being aligned to the page and all that kind of stuff. And people would ram it in everything across that like page would be mm. absolutely full. Yes. <laughs> That H one dogs, H two yeah. dogs, H three. <laughs> And and you could you could go to uh, an offshore uh, SEO company and mm -hmm. buy links. They'd go out. Yeah. They would just and there would be link farms and all sorts of things going on. Yeah. What are the black hat? And that that's very much considered black hat now. Matt Cutts mm -hmm. came out and just kind of changed the SEO game. And I think a lot of people cried overnight. Um, but it's for <laughs> the mean, better. We, for the, don't the better we? Of don't we all? <laughs> yeah. But what what are so that that's black hat and i would say that that is less of a, a focus now it's not i don't mm -hmm. i used to go into meetings and a client would generally say to us i want you to get me links for this keyword and it'd be like and you have to then dial it back and be like okay why what do you want to do why mm -hmm. do you want it to rank why are we going for those keywords what mm -hmm. etc what are the black hat tactics now so if i were going to go to an seo agency mm -hmm. and I wouldn't. I'd come to you, obviously. But uh, if I were to go to an SEO <laughs> agency, what what are the black hat tactics and things that they would say that I should look out for and go, yeah, that's that's not a good idea. Okay, so um, I mean, black hat tactics are available. They have been historically, and they will be now. Um, yeah, if the, if you get an agency that says things like oh, don't worry, we can hide the keywords in like different font color or behind a pop-up or anything like that. <laughs> um, we, we, can we can add the keywords without you being able to see them. That would be a, that would be a um, red flag for me. Um, yeah. If they say things like, yeah, we, ca we, can guarantee, we can guarantee you a number of links probably a red flag um <laughs> but you my know fa the, my favorite is we guarantee you page one ranking like, that okay. yeah within within two months right yeah. easy <laughs> <laughs> i mean what what are the best like the best questions you've had because you must have had them from potential clients that are like can we do can and, we do this I, and you going Ooh, maybe we, we've not. generally had had clients say to us can you not just buy 
these links and we then have to kind of explain to them kind of the, the pitfalls around that i mean because the, yeah. the answer is like if, if you really wanted us to do that we we're not the agency to help you with that but we can point you in a direction of somebody <laughs> who could do it but yeah. um we would generally question okay what are you actually trying to achieve out of that what is it going to get you a page one mm -hmm. ranking is quite often we work in quite often a, a, a b2b setting that is um like the decision makers aren't actually googling your product anyway so a lot of the stuff mm -hmm. that we end up doing is around abm or we're like kind of reaching out to social influencers that kind of yeah. stuff and so we would often say to them okay is there a way of doing what you want to do and get mm -hmm. this content in front of them better than potentially risking your overall kind of brand and search capability and anyway yeah yeah and reputation yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's how we would normally approach that. Nice. Moving, yeah. moving slightly away from SEO. So okay. SEO is inherently about creating traffic, right? So we are trying to get yes. eyeballs onto your website. Uh, the, mm -hmm. There's probably SEOers out there kind of slapping their heads when I've said that, but <laughs> I, that's roughly what we're talking about. Mm. And you are all about driving growth and kind of generating ROI for your clients. So what do you yes. do with the traffic once you get it? Like what other channels do come into play? Like how are you using that SEO traffic and turning it into customers? Yeah, amazing. So great question. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so I think, so there's there's two things um, that are interesting here. So, cause you say like, oh, SEOs will sort of bang their head, but I do feel like there's, SEO is different to SEM. Yep. Like SEO is very much just about the optimization. I feel like those, the lines are being blurred or the conversations are being blurred about what each means. And SEO really just means optimization and giving the, the website as much opportunity to be found in search results. Yep. Um, so yeah, to me, multi-channel is absolutely the way, you know, people shop different and get their information differently to you know, 20 years ago, they go out, they find information, they'll download an ebook, they'll read reviews or expert opinions. And you can use all of that information to, to again, be there, be there with the right content at the right time. Um, so one thing to remember, and you actually touched on this before, like, you can be in all the different channels, like your website, but all I think personally, social media being a stronger example that although you are there and you can control what you put out, you can't actually control the platform. That's why I think, you know, you do control, you do have control over your database, your CRM, your, again, your people, your tribe, you do have control over that. You have control over what you ask them, how, whether or how you segment them based on the information that you collect you can decide how often to send emails and about what. And I think that is that is what I love about email and automation is that you can make the the whole the whole experience way more interesting for your people. And that's what it's about. I am um, uh, who was it? Um, Cognizant, I think. I saw a screenshot or an example of an email that they send out uh for mm -hmm. clothes lost did you see it no. so basically basically it's an email that when something gets marked as clothes lost it is it's mm -hmm. almost like a, a love letter 
um across oh. to them saying hey like we're, we're so sorry this didn't work out it was obviously us not you um it's beautifully scripted like proper proper copywriting um and really? it's signed off it's signed off with love but it's done playfully because love is then crossed out and like um uh, kind of regards as put in its place but it's a really Excellent. nice piece of email closing the loop and uh, it's, a, it's a brand piece that um because the other actually the main call to action in that email isn't like re will let us know if you change your mind it's hey yeah. actually we spoke to you you like the stuff like you're obviously in the market for the kind of stuff we do follow us on social because actually we talk a lot about this stuff and so what that's doing is closing the loop bringing them back through putting them into a social channel where they can be very softly nurtured by the brand message going through that's uh, awesome and and yeah, yeah. I love that because that's that is that is a piece of I'm assuming it's automated and being mm. set out at a close loss, but it's a piece of automation that is closing the loop, pushing them back through, keeping them in the overall sales funnel, but without yeah. actually kind of there's no intent in it. That, well, there's no perceived yeah. There's like they're within it. within the brand ecosystem without it being pushy. When you when you start working with a new client, how do you mm. determine channels? Like, how do you go? Actually, this is a channel that is going to suit you, or these are a couple of channels that we're going to push this with this with this, and this is how we're going to build it. How do you determine channels for clients? So this kind of comes back to the consultancy that I do, and it's I am always happy to sort of to recommend channels, even if I'm not the best placed person. Right. And that, I've had to learn to say that I'm not the best place for this, but I know someone who is or I will share it with my network. Um, but I think something which companies don't do <laughs> is ask the question. So I am as in my in my own personal in my consultancy, I'm moving more towards um customer research and prospect research um, a couple of fantastic people to follow like on social media for that are uh, Val Geisler from Clavio uh, and um, Kristen LaFrance uh, she is I think she's at get repeat now but she's very much like a community builder and it is it is so important to actually why not just ask the question what is working um, and you, sure, you can use data as well. Like you can see how people have engaged with you, particularly if you do have a CRM where you can keep track of deals and where people have come from. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's asking the question and and testing. Like there is, you know, you can. It's the same as I guess companies saying these are my competitors when actually in search or in reality they might have a very different list of competitors. It's very much the same with how companies internally view themselves of where they are and where they should be, but sometimes just a case of trying it out. You mentioned automation quite a, a few times as we're kind of talking about different channels and how you engage mm. with traffic and things like that. What should be automated and what shouldn't be automated? So many things can be automated. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so many more than people n normally think of. Um, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I would love. I would love to like have a nose because I'm sure that Six and Flow have implemented some fantastic, like, completely out there automations. But as a, a kind of as a left field suggestion, one of the things that people don't think about is that a lot 
can be automated internally. So by which I can mean things like HR. So when is it someone's birthday? Maybe send an email to the line manager a week before. But also, um, if someone has filled in a form, make sure that internally, even if the, the follow-up follow is automated, which is what we would expect, make sure that someone is aware internally that needs to be aware of that, partic particularly for new businesses. Um, so yeah, there's just, there's so much for B2C. I, one that I really like and that I think gets a lot of goodwill is automating for birthdays. Yeah. Because I, who doesn't love getting an email, right? For the birthday and a discount maybe. Yeah, it depends on the brand though. Like sometimes I get them and I'm like, you don't really care, it's my birthday. Um, <laughs> But, um, okay that's fair that's fair <laughs> i i really like the idea of that that focus on well not even a focus on but reminding people that actually there's a lot of internal process that can and should be automated because quite mm -hmm. often there's a lot of manual work that doesn't need to be manual going across an organization and like hr is a great example of it finance is a great example of it and actually as an agency now we do yeah. way more work integrating back-end process and that kind of digital transformation piece where yeah. we're taking the friction points out from so it sounds like i'm pitching now but i'm not but we're, we're taking the <laughs> unless you want to buy a hubspot i could help you with that but the um <laughs> we're taking out those those friction points from sales mm. deal um closing through to um, invoices being created um delivery teams being notified project plans being created all of that kind of stuff where historically mm -hmm. there's a like a handover process things can get dropped things are like missed but then also looking at things like renewal processes and that like your birthday example with the hr mm -hmm. works perfectly so if you think of a, a client renewal process as a birthday yeah. when which is a really nice way of thinking about a renewal um but <laughs> that that birthday what mm. we do internally is three months before that birth <laughs> that renewal comes up <laughs> is we are um like that starts an internal process so like a, yeah, a strategy great. review um okay that start engaging the customer about talking about the renewal process and that is so that we aren't missing anything and making sure that that process is being executed properly and once you've got it automated to the point where it becomes almost formulaic that's when you can start experimenting with it and going, could we make this bit better? What happens if we tweak this and align it? Yeah. So I think like that, I wasn't expecting the conversation to go down the uh, internal automation <laughs> route, but it's, um, I think that's is a great point is normally when people talk automation, they go, okay, yeah. So when this person clicks on that landing page and they get this email, in seven days time, mm -hmm. they're going to get another email, right? And we're going to serve them another guide. And, and yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's great. And it nurtures and it does its job there's so much more the only thing i would say so like the the where i was angling this question well was what not to automate is one of the mm -hmm. things that we are super careful with is automating things as though it's a human because mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. in like if you start communicating with people as a human particularly in the sales process and you yeah. trigger something outside of the norm or it doesn't capture a conversation or a colloquialism that is within that content, then yeah. it's gonna ruin the process and kind of damage the magic. It's much better to be upfront and say like, so we send out automated emails, it'll come from my email address and it says, yeah, yeah this is automated, but if you reply to this, it will come straight through to me. So let me know what you think. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, that, that particularly in B2C, I think that you need to regularly review 
You need to regularly make sure that people aren't getting too many emails or duplicate messages. Like I've, I've seen it with a couple of brands recently where I'm clearly in uh, two different workflows or two different segments because I will get the same email, but with a different subject line. It's a shame because I know what you're doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, this, and that actually also brings me to like another point of something that I would personally not automate is A-B tests. Because if it's automated, you run the risk of it sort of not being front of mind. So if you're doing A-B tests and they are not front of mind, you are not going to look at the results. You're not going to implement or learn anything from that. Um, so you mentioned a couple of them, but who, who mm. else do you follow in the growth space? How do you keep up to date with what's going on and where do you get your inspiration from? Yeah, so yeah, I did I did mention a couple. I also love, um, yeah, I love the community builders, particularly on Twitter. Uh, so for example, Christina Garnett is excellent. Christina's for that. wicked. Like, Christina did a she session is, with us as well. Oh, did she? I've not heard it. Oh, okay. Well, she engaged with me in one way or another recently. And I actually messaged someone to say that I was fangirling because <laughs> I think I just think the way she it, it's very authentic. And that's I love that. That's what we yeah. need. Another great example, particularly for inspiration, is marketing examples from Harry Dry. Love Harry's that. doing one in a couple of weeks as well. You're, well so you're in a good crowd. Clearly, the people who I the, the people to follow are the people who are doing or have done six <laughs> sessions, <laughs> done sorted, um, and then uh, something which I think is quite important for me, particularly as a self-employed person, is uh, you know the networks that you build. So network yep. that can be on conversations on Twitter, that can be total nonsense, or you know, the openness and the happy, the happy to shareness of the industry on Twitter. Um, there's um, you know, a self-employed sort of a self-employed Slack community that I'm part of called the DMU, which honestly has kept me sane throughout the <laughs> pandemic because it's essentially like a water cooler for self-employed people. Um, and yeah just those people who are happy to share and you learn from them. That's where the inspiration comes from. This, this is my favorite question for every succession. What's your <laughs> biggest career fuck up so far? What have you learned the most from? Is this our first swear? I'm, I'm quite, quite possibly I'm actually. Very... I think we've been, I think we've been quite good at that. We've been quite good. I'm not very good at swearing. I feel like when <laughs> I swear, it sounds like I'm like a five year old stamping their foot. <laughs> So my biggest career fuck up. Yes, uh, there you go. <laughs> I did it. Well done. Um, well, I've never removed a client's website from the internet or I lost a company a lot of money. Um, I feel like my answer is quite boring. Like I've worked, like I've worked myself so hard that I... I almost worked myself into a burnout it's hard when you are like when you are on your own you are you know you're not just doing you're also sales and marketing and yep. accountant and hr and turns out that my hr department was rubbish and didn't enforce any like holiday taking <laughs> but yeah and you know i'm learning and it's very much still a learning process to say no um 
Yeah, that's probably quite a boring fuck up. So, so, I mean, so I've done the perfect record. We can go with that. Well, I've done, I've done, I've done the inevitable. You know, send an email before it's ready or approved or has a subject line, um, and having to quickly follow up with a oh sorry um, to twenty thousand people. That that was probably not great, but it's it is inevitable, and mistakes are made, and just shows that we're human. Um, so. Yeah. What excites you? I most hope this about... doesn't like. I hope that doesn't open Sorry. me up for like a massive fuck up in 2022. <laughs> you set the <laughs> stage. What excites you most about growth? Growth right now. Growth is ace because it's getting more and more accessible. It's getting easier to work with websites. It's getting easier to work with email and automation, and it's becoming more user friendly. So you have drag and drop builders you have very visual workflow builders and so on and that really helps you to be able to get started with it and at the same time there's more and more options for user accessibility right so making sure that your emails are responsive to different devices making sure you have a dark mode email in place for people who open in dark mode um, and yeah, basically giving everyone the opportunity to just to be able to engage and be able to join and be part of the conversation. Last question. I love that. What's what's next for Mobe? What what are you what are you doing next? Um from for the comp for my the, for the business, business. <laughs> uh, for the business, uh, 2022 is about uh, balance and bringing, you know, I talk about digital comms a lot, but really trying to bring that together um, and sort of make sure, making sure that the, the clients that I get to work with, uh, yes, SEO, yes, email marketing, but actually making sure that those channels work together. So I feel like, I'm going more towards a, I'm almost going a step back to where I was. I've gone from, you know, in-house marketing manager, really broad, then learning about digital, going a bit less broad, then focusing on SEO and HubSpot, going a bit less broad, and now like sort of almost taking a step back and making it a bit more broad and and integrative again, I guess. Nice. I like it. Mm. Um, what about you? What's What are your plans? how long have we got we've got so this this year so 2021 was a really good growth year for us but it was we positioned it much more as a foundational year so we were like we hired heavily we and still hiring heavily we brought some senior heads into some senior roles um yeah. repositioned the teams um so that we mm -hmm. can deliver um like people are delivering the stuff that they're good at in ways that they are good at as well um mm -hmm. expanding out the sales teams in the UK, Canada, and Ireland bring in more wow. delivery team. And on Monday, we actually launched a global hub alliance with yes. uh, four, four other elite partners, which is exciting. Um, and like the up, the interest and in uptake in it has been phenomenal. And it was fun to uh, do a marketing moment on on Monday with 260 people across the globe and kind of wow. bombard LinkedIn for a bit. It was good fun. I've absolutely loved seeing seeing that launch it must be so cool to be able to have the you know the six and flow autonomy but have the the worldwide support essentially support network 
yeah and and it's it, it's good it's good from uh like the agencies that we're working with are very closely aligned very similar to us um and we've we've we were very kind of selective with like how it's been brought together um mm -hmm. who who's come into it and um, and it's, it's good there's a lot of there's a lot of growth potential in that alone and so that's exciting um nice. so good so that's yeah you're right that's that's going to keep us busy this year i think <laughs> Marit, thank you for doing the successions with me. Um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, thank you for joining. Um, thank if you for anybody having want, me. If anybody wants to connect with you, how should they do it? Um, so I talk a lot of nonsense on Twitter uh, at It's Marit. I'm on LinkedIn. I have a website. Don't look at it, please. It's mobdigital.com. Um, <laughs> if they just want to have a chat, uh, Marit at mobdigital.com uh, is probably the best way to get me. But yeah, find me on Twitter. Um, yeah. So I've I've obviously been doing what every Englishman does and butchering the language Maret, not Marat. So apologies. Um, oh no, that's fine. <laughs> You're all good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next week when we have the return of John Dick. Hopefully, his technology will uh, work this time around. I am hopeful, and we are going to test it ahead of time. Um, Marat, thank you again. Um, it was nice to chat to you, and hopefully, we'll see you at an event in person soon. Yes, I'd really like that. Have a lovely day. See you later, everybody.